All right, welcome back to the ENC Leadership Podcast hosted by me, Joseph Bonifacio. Uh, sorry, I haven't been so frequent in updating and we're going to go back to our weekly schedule this week. Uh, just had got busy for a week or two with work stuff and family stuff. And also, um, I had a wisdom tooth extracted here. It was a very painful and very uh, difficult procedure. And afterwards, uh, which is, you know, bleeding everywhere. My mouth was uh, in so much pain and so it was impossible to to record. So thankfully, I had my checkup a few days ago and uh, things are healing nicely. Not completely there, but uh, getting there. Anyway, we just finished our series, Leading in Anxious Times. And I hope that was helpful uh, to you and, and to your friends and family or whoever else was listening with you. I've been very encouraged by hearing people who have talked about how they've applied it, how it's helped them, how it's helped them uh, identify anxiety in themselves and figuring out how the, the best way to respond in the situation was. I've also heard from a number of people who have um, shared it with friends or, or with colleagues or even family members and are applying the mindset of seeing that I don't want to control you, I won't let you control me, but we will stay connected. It's seeing and applying that mindset has helped them uh, develop great relationships and uh, experience healing even in, in, in places, in families, in, in teams that had been broken already. Uh, I've also been encouraged to hear about people who have gone in the book, uh, The Leader's Journey, and formed discussion groups around it. I'm actually doing two discussion groups around it now. I finished two other groups and now I'm starting two new groups about it. So please continue to do that. And honestly, for us in ENC Leadership Podcast, this was a great an unexpected start for this podcast. Um, we weren't planning to have this as our first few episodes. It just so happened that the book came out around the, the time we were starting the podcast. I started reading it and me and the team just realized we've got to start with this. And the reason why is it's foundational. It's foundational to our leadership. And w- w- what did we learn from it that was so foundational? The one thing I want to point out is God working through me and in me. That's what we want this podcast to be about. We don't want this to just be, oh, I learned a new technique. That's God working through me, but what about in me? And really, the best way for God to move through me, for me to do something good and valuable and meaningful for my life, is to let God do something in me, because when He does, that's going to come out. That's going to come out in my family. That's going to come out in my work. That's going to come out in all of my endeavors. God working through me and in me. Secondly, the emphasis of, um, you know, the Anxious Leadership Podcast or leading in anxious times, hearing from God for yourself and staying and standing by those convictions while staying connected to other people. This isn't about compliance. This isn't about a group think. It's about you, the leader, hearing from God for yourself and knowing how to apply that, which is the third thing, the ability to recognize anxiety in yourself and in others in order to respond better to the situation. So all of that to say, this has been a great foundational podcast. Uh, I believe a great start for us. And uh, I I encourage you to find friends to talk to about it, to even review, uh, if not listen to the whole thing, but go to the notes on encleaders.ph and review them again to refresh them with yourself. I catch myself even now having to review that and catching, okay, why did I respond negatively in that situation? Oh, there was anxiety there and getting better at spotting it for myself. 
For this next mini-series we're going to do, we also want to continue with this process of laying a bit more foundation for leadership. See, the importance of having these foundations is later on in the podcast, we're going to build more concepts and more techniques. But if we don't have the right foundation, then that building will not stand strong. Secondly, it's not just the foundation, but these principles are a framework for us to hang further concepts on. It would be like someone learning how to have a, you know, a great arm for sports, but not having great anything else, not having a great core. That great arm for basketball will not go very far if you're not strong everywhere else. This is our core exercise. And the goal is for us to better integrate our leadership with our faith. I feel like many Christians often, we, we, we don't do that so well, but that's not the way God designed it to be. I want to quote from this book called Designed to Lead, uh, written by Eric Geiger and Kevin Peck. And here's what they said. The church is uniquely set apart to develop and deploy leaders for the glory of God and the advancement of the gospel. The church is designed by God to create leaders for all spheres of life. And that's something we fully believe here in ENC. Hence the slogan, right? Change the campus, change the world. This isn't to say that there couldn't be or there shouldn't be leaders who aren't from the church. Of course there are. That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is Christians have a unique gifting to lead and be of service to the world. Christians, by the virtue of being sons and daughters of God, redeemed image bearers of God, followers of Jesus who have the power of the Holy Spirit, we have a unique gifting to lead and to be of service to the world around us. And that happens when our faith is integrated with our leadership. If not, we'll experience a disconnect. And here's what that looks like. A disconnect could look like we act one way in church as Christians, but the moment you start leading at, at the office, in your business, in your organization, wherever, you run by a different playbook. Because we think that the rules for being a Christian will not help you be a successful attorney or a successful student council president. There's a disconnect with your faith and your leadership. Or maybe another way of disconnect is we're good at playing by the rules. Yeah, and we, we, we play by, and I'm using quotations here, playing by the rules in your faith, but there's no fruit. There's no value. There's no positive effect in others or maybe even in yourself. So what, what's leadership about that? What is, what's the point of that? Is Christianity meant to be about following abstract rules with no impact? If you've been listening to the podcast, you know, you'll recognize now I'm presenting you with a false dichotomy. But that's what a disconnect does. We think Christian is to be one way and, 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 and to lead is another way. Or I am being Christian, but it doesn't matter if it has no impact on my leadership. Or thirdly, you know, a more insidious kind of disconnect between faith and your leadership is hypocrisy. We're hi hypocritical and faking our faith. And, and many people have seen this. And that's why they're so turned off by the concept of, of, of Christian leaders or someone bringing their faith in. Because it's like, a puro Bible verse naman. Puro ka naman church attendance. E anu, anong silbi mo sa amin? How did you change my life? How did that make you better at being a student council president or team leader or accountant or CEO. We don't want that. We want integration. And that's what this upcoming short series is for, integrating our faith with our leadership. But before that, for this introductory episode, I want to cover four common mistakes that Christian leaders 
tend to make. And I'm saying not all people will fall into this, but Christian leaders fall into this because of the assumptions we make about our faith, about what God wants from us, about how God is, who God is, and about what God expects from us. Four common mistakes among Christian leaders. And I'm not saying everybody does this, okay? I know lots of people who don't do this. And I love those leaders. I emulate them. I want to be more like them. But simply because of misunderstandings of what Christianity stands for, of what the Bible says, we might tend to fall to these um, errors. The first mistake is Christian fatalism. You know what fatalism is, right? Fatalism is the fate. You know, fates will determine. It's not really my choice. Whatever will be, will be. Wala akong choice dito kung ano mangyari. And Christians can take this mindset and baptize it in the Christian faith under the concept of sovereignty. Well, God is sovereign. Well, God is in charge. God will do it. So what's the point of me doing anything? And that is not what the Bible says at all. Yes, the Bible says God is sovereign, but never does the Bible use that to encourage us into passivity, into irresponsibility, or into laziness. In fact, Christian responsibility is a theme throughout scriptures the whole time. And yet we often see people do that. Oh, God will do it. We, we, we get to a decision, we don't push past it, and we say, well, well bahala na si Lord. Yes, of course, there will be times that we'll get there. Of course, that we'll get to the times when the end of our effort is and we say, Lord, it's all up to you at this point. I've done the sales pitch. It's up to you to get them if they're going to be my client. Lord, I've made my plans. It's up to you to give me victory or, or to give me grace through defeat. That's true. But that is not an excuse for laziness or for abdication of leadership. If you're called to make a decision, then think about it. Then sweat over it. Don't just relax and say, well, na si Lord. And the difference is in our heart. You know, we, we could say we thought about it, but did we really? And honestly, often leaders who relax like that over difficult decisions are often only able to do that because it doesn't affect them personally. I've been so blessed to observe my friends who are leaders, who are uh, supervisors of people, who are CEOs of companies, and I've been checking on them, asking them during this pandemic, how are you with this? And you know what? They have faith. They've got faith and they're trusting God to be sovereign, but they're also combining their faith with hard work. They're considering. One of them is saying, look, if I bring my people in, it'll allow my company to keep working. It'll allow me to keep paying them, but it'll be a risk for their health. What do I do? And so he's brought in moves and measures. The, the ones he could let work from home, he did. The ones that who had to come in, he found ways to get them to work safely for them. That's not a person going Christian fatalism saying, well, bahala na si Lord. That's someone who trusts God and also because of his trust in God, gives his best at work. That's biblical leadership. I've also seen you know, leaders do this when it comes to uh, evaluating things. We make a mistake, we make a wrong decision, and instead of going back over it and seeing, okay, where did we go wrong? Where was the, the anxious leadership? Where was the mistake there? They gloss over it and we say things like, well, it must have been God's will na money. So there's no point examining it. Theologically, that's just wrong, okay? Yes, there is God's will, but that doesn't mean that everything should be okay. There's such a thing as God 
permissive will where he allows humans to make mistakes, to sin, and he still works out his his uh, good will, his perfect will through that. That doesn't excuse the sin. That doesn't excuse the mistake. So there's also personal responsibility there. So Christian fatalism is not from God. We need to take responsibility for what God's called us to take responsibility for. We need to integrate our faith with our leadership. Second common mistake that, that Christian leaders can fall into is hyper-spirituality. And I paused at spirituality because I'm using air quotes. Hyper and spirituality in air quotes. I don't have a problem with spirituality. I don't have a problem with moving in the spirit. But when we, what I'm calling hyper-spirituality is often not spiritual enough. That's the problem. What does this look like? You know, when people, you know, again, similar to Christian fatalism, it's an excuse for laziness to pray about things, to 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 use um, quote unquote uh, Christian spiritual methods, and to abandon other perfectly good methods that God provides as well. My question to those people is: Why not do both? Yes, pray. Yes, fast. Yes, believe God for a prophetic word, but also do a feasibility study. Do your research and and and, and ask and figure stuff out. What's the problem with doing both? Here's what hyper, quote-unquote, spirituality looks like. We're hiring someone, for example, and we don't do our due diligence. We don't pray. We don't talk to the person. We don't interview them. But we pray that we made the right choice. That, that's irresponsibility. If you're hiring someone, yes, sure, that's a great decision to pray over. But at the same time, exercise discipline in hiring that person. Here's another one. We have a team member who needs correction. And we avoid the confrontation because we want to be nice. We want to be uh, uh, man-pleasers, basically. But we pray that they change. You know what? God's about to answer that prayer. He did put someone in that person's life to help them change. You know who he put there? A Christian leader. You know who that is? You. Do your job. Pray to God about the confrontation, then have the confrontation. Hyper quote-unquote spirituality is not Christian leadership. Here's another one. Losing money fast, needing to make a shift in this pandemic. But we're waiting for, for a sign. For, for, for yeah, I, I don't know, some, someone to give you a sign over what the right thing to do is. See, I'm not against spirituality. That's just not Christian spirituality. That's mysticism. See, the problem with this mindset isn't that they prioritize spirituality. It's that they're not spiritual enough. They're not. Because everything is spiritual. Now, don't get weird with me on this, okay? Please, don't. But everything is spiritual. Everything, if done for God, if done by the power of the Holy Spirit, now has spiritual nature. Spiritual accounting. You can do that. You can sit down and and and, uh, 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 and before you balance the books, you pray over it and then you do your job well. What about spiritual feasibility uh, studies? What about spiritual strategies? Why not do both? Is what I'm saying. Later in this series, on the on on the last episode, um, I'll tell you about how that changed my my life and my leadership to realize that the Holy Spirit is everywhere and we just need to invite him in 
And one of the most powerful incidents was when I had to fire someone and lifted it up to the Holy Spirit before doing that. And it was one of the most, one of my favorite conversations at work ever. A spiritual firing. See, the problem with hyper-spirituality isn't that they prioritize spirituality. It's that they limit the work of the Holy Spirit to these specific um, Christian disciplines or actions instead of seeing the work of the Holy Spirit in the entirety of their Christian life. That's another common mistake. Christian fatalism, hyper, quote-unquote, spirituality. Third one is religious niceness. Niceness, being nice. Religious niceness. I mentioned that earlier already about we're afraid to correct someone because we're called to be nice. Guess what? Niceness is not a Christian virtue. It's not. It's, I don't think it's in the Bible. Uh, it, 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 there's no, the fruit of the spirit of niceness. And we often have those. We have these uh, pseudo uh, nice sounding things that we assume are Christian because just in general, Christianity means being nice, right? No, it doesn't. You go back to the previous episode, uh, Leading in Anxious Times, the 13th episode of this podcast, and I talked about one of those things, how empathy, taken on its own, is not good. I like empathy. I appreciate people who show me empathy, but it's not enough. That's not, uh, it's not enough to build a Christian ethic around. You know what is Christian gentleness, kindness, compassion, love, not niceness. See, the problem with niceness is we assume that that's enough. You know, but I'm sorry that the company failed. I'm sorry that the, the team is not succeeding, but at least I was nice. Now, we don't say it that way. We'll say it another way. But, but at least I, 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 but I, I didn't correct the person, but at least I was nice to them. No, you're not nice to the other people who are suffering because you didn't correct that person. You're not nice to that person themselves for not changing. Sure, you were nice, but you're not loving. You're not kind. That's not Christian. One manifestation of this is harmony at all costs. Harmony at all costs. Aspiring for harmony instead of peace. I was so thankful when talking about this with, with uh, Mark Moletta, one of our campus directors, and he said, you know, we're called to be peacemakers, not harmony chasers. But very often we confuse the two. We think, oh, well, just don't, don't, don't confront, don't rock the boat, don't say this. I don't really want to tell the truth. Uh, you know what harmony chasing is? It's people-pleasing. It's people-pleasing. And when we're pe pleasing people, we're more concerned about what other people say than God. That's not Christian leadership. It's important to correct people to achieve peace. Jesus brought peace, the Prince of Peace, but he often upset the harmony in, in the process because he was revealing people's hearts. He often upset how people felt about themselves. He upset their self-righteousness, their self-sufficiency. He upset even uh, the, the, the political and social tensions in those days when he came in and he wasn't playing their sides. But he brought peace by bringing peace to our hearts, by bringing peace to our relationship with God first, and that would radiate outwards into what the church was supposed to be what the church was what the church still is in many places even though it still has it has warts in some other places 
What's my point? Religious niceness is not Christian leadership. Let's take gentleness, for example. Gentleness is not weakness. Proverbs says a gentle tongue can break a bone. What does that mean? It's not a choice between the Christian virtues and effectiveness. What he's saying, though, is the Christian virtues are in many ways effective. In fact, in, if not more effective than the ways of this world. And you've seen this. I've seen this. I've lost my temper. I've gotten angry. I've snapped. And I've thought that that would change things. And it wasn't that powerful. But I also have had lately, <laughs> more recently, by the grace of God, gentle conversations that were more powerful than any of my sarcastic uh, raising of my voice, ripping into people. Why? Because a gentle tongue can break a bone. It's powerful. So it's not a choice between am I nice or am I effective? No. If I follow God and I live by His principles and I strive to understand them better and not just default automatically to religious niceness, it'll actually be more effective for my leadership. What are these common mistakes? Number one, Christian fatalism. Number two, hyper-spirituality. Number three, religious niceness. And lastly, shallow application. And this is probably the most common one. And in, in, in fact, it, this one runs through all three. You know, when we think we understand God, we think we understand Scripture. So, no, we don't. And I want to invite us in this series to lean in a bit. We're going to look at some verses that you're probably familiar with. But I'm not saying you misunderstand them, but they are often misunderstood in the context of leadership. And it reveals a lack, not of like the Bible's inadequate, in, in but our understanding of the Bible is inadequate. You know what else shallow application looks like? Biblical methods with unbiblical aims. Biblical methods with unbiblical goals. We're using Christianity as a technique. The applications are shallow, surface level, but they're not transformative. That's what I was saying in the beginning. That's why I loved the Leading in Anxious Times Foundation. And if you're joining us for the first time, you'll want to go back to that. Because unless God's doing a work in our hearts, then the work through our lives will, won't be that effective either. In fact, the junk in our heart is going to poison, is going to destroy even the, the good that we did out there. See, there are many maxims, proverbs, principles in the Bible that are helpful, but the Bible goes much deeper than that. The Bible is not a leadership technique book, and if that's all you're using it for, you're missing out on so much. In fact, here's something I want to say right off the beginning. We're talking about the biblical perspective of leadership. Let me say this. Leadership is not the focus of the Bible. It's so funny how many... Christian leadership materials out there, including this one, when you look at the Bible and you search for the word leader, leaders, leadership, I don't think the word leadership even shows up. And the word leaders is a good, bad thing. There's good leaders and there's bad leaders basically in the Bible because the leadership is not the focus of the Bible. And one of the most important things that a Christian leader can do is realize that this is good. I love leading for God, but it's not the most important thing. And I want to be honest with you uh, listening to this because this, you know, we, we designed this podcast, this platform of ENC leaders for Christian leaders, you know, because and, and, that's us. 
And we, we know that, we value that, we're so thankful for you, for where you're leading, whether you're leading a small group in church or you're leading in the campus ministry or you're leading in your home, you're leading in your workplace, you're leading in your school. We love that you're doing that, but hopefully that is not the focus of your faith and your relationship with God. That's not the center of your faith and your relationship with God. See, the glamour of leadership is very strong. And sometimes we don't realize how it's gotten our hooks on us and our leadership title is more important to us than our relationship with God. Jesus sent his disciples out on a mission. They came back, they were so excited and they said, look what we did. The work is so effective. Demons are submitting to us in your name. Or something like that. That's a paraphrase. And Jesus said, that's great, that's great, but but don't rejoice over that. Instead, rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Sometimes I feel like, but can't I celebrate something good? Can't I celebrate a good leadership event? Yes, you can. But he was doing a helpful uh, recalibration to remind them, remember, this is not the most important thing. And funnily enough, when we embrace that, that it's not the most important thing, it's not the greatest thing, we actually become better leaders because leadership falls in its proper place. That's my goal with this next few episodes, to help us see leadership fall in its proper place. That's what we're going to look like in the next three weeks. Not this Christian fatalism, hyper quote-unquote spirituality, religious niceness, or shallow application. Instead, we want to see integration of our faith with our leadership. Taking our faith to the place where we lead seeing the leadership principles that we can learn anywhere and seeing how they connect to our faith in God. And most of all, growing in our faith, even as we grow in our leadership. I'm excited to get into this and I'm excited to see the fruit that it's going to bear in our lives. Maybe for this episode, you, you, you can discuss this with the people around you in your life or take the time to reflect on it and think about it. Of these four common mistakes Christian leaders make, which one have you observed already as likely which one have you seen even in your own life and which one are you susceptible of and talk with someone about it see when you talk to people about it it helps us put things into words which helps us absorb the concept better and also it creates even an unconscious accountability in ourselves to watch out for it in the future I'm excited for this next series so I hope that you'll join us in the next three weeks as we look at a biblical perspective of leadership This is the ENC Leadership Podcast. You can find us on encleaders.ph. If you want to reach me about it, you can find me on social media, Joseph Bonifacio. But if you really want to make sure that I'll respond and I'll know that it's about this podcast, you can reach me at Instagram on at Campus Joe, at Campus Joe. And uh, I'll know that you're coming through this podcast. Thank you very much. And we'll see you in the next episode.